hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash Chats, the original comedy soundcast featuring interviews from comedy... Soundcast. Soundcasters, comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folks. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, host and haberdasher for Epi 160 of Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. It's been a few weeks since we last dropped a sode. Apologies, but life gets busy. Suffice it to say, we're back. And we've had a bit of a mixed bag, so it's kind of a half Succotash clips and half Succotash chats kind of show this time around. On the clip side, we have a couple of snippets uploaded to us by soundcasters themselves. A new show called Nothing Good, and another newest show from a soundcast called Pretty Gross. Over in the chats department, I've got some interviews left over from the 6th Los Angeles Podcast Festival that took place nearly a month and a half ago in early October. Chris Mancini, one of the co-founders of the LA Podcast Festival, joins me. Jonathan Sadowski and Travis Clark from the Quick Question Soundcast sit down with me. Murray Valeriano of the Road Stories Soundcast and Chris Gore, that Chris Gore, who stopped by. We kind of a simulcast. In fact, the interview you're going to hear here has already been heard on his Film Threat Soundcast. In addition, we have a double dose of our Burst Durst with political comedian and social commentator Will Durst. And the whole shooting match is brought to you by the good folks at Henderson's Pants. As we often do, let's kick things off with our first burst of Durst. This time around, Will Durst digs into the old but new struggle known as class warfare. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about class warfare. Trump owns it and the Democrats want it back. Democrats love class wars. They understand the concept. To them, it's getting back to the basics, like putting on silk boxers before donning your jodhpurs, which is why the Democrats are attacking GOP attempts to eliminate taxes on the wealthy. The dirty little secret is the public couldn't care less. Average Americans are all in favor of extending perks to the rich because they know it's only a matter of time before they're raking in the gazillion dollars worth of tax breaks when they become rich, which should be any day now. So when the administration announces we have to stimulate the rich, the lower and middle classes just nod their heads and repeat, yep, 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 that's me, someday. Rather than get bogged down in sociological semantics, we here at Dursko have unearthed other ways to accomplish the same sort of thing, only cheaper. So let's do our best to help out with a little piece we like to call Cheaper Ways to Stimulate the Rich. Torches, pitchforks, crowbars, and hot lead enemas. Bracing slaps in the face from stockholders before every corporate board meeting. Instead of Botox injections, force the rich to take their botulism toxin orally. Subdermal cayenne pepper time-release sinus implants. Subliminal messages while they sleep. I'm ruining the world. My children hate me. Social ownership of the means of production. Amphetamine patches. What the hell? Amphetamine mesh undershirts. Ankle-tethered, rabies-infested Norwegian rats. All new BMWs equipped with factory-installed Galaxy 7 in glove compartment nestled in a pile of kerosene-soaked rags. Replace all those pink, blue, and yellow packages of artificial sweeteners with Pop Rocks. And finally, remote-controlled cattle prod suppositories. 
For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Not yet rich, but fingers crossed. We will hit a second burst of durst before this episode is over, mark my words. And if you live in the San Francisco area, or will be in the Bay Area anytime through the end of the year, his one-man show called Durst Case Scenario has been extended at the Marsh Theater. You can check out his home site for more information, willdurst.com. It's just that easy. Before we get further into this episode, I wanted to let you know that Succotash will be having the first live episode we've done since this year's SF Sketchfest. It's going to be at next year's SF Sketchfest on Sketchfest on Sunday, January 14th, 5:30 p.m. at Piano Fight in downtown San Francisco. I'm not sure which guests we're going to have yet, waiting to see who's in town that weekend, but I will tell you this, it may be the last episode of Succotash, at least in its current form. That's all I'm going to say. Next up, let's spend a few minutes with Chris Mancini, not only a PodFest co-founder, but co-host of the comedy film nerd soundcast and author of a new graphic novel that he will update us on in this little chat. Apologies, by the way, for the extraneous noise. The podcast lab this year was more of an experiment in audio terror with <laughs> atrocious acoustics making it a little difficult to chat things up. All right, Chris Mancini, here we are. Great to be back. <laughs> podcast lab at uh, LA Podfest number six. Yes, this is number six. Six years the charm. <laughs> Fifth year was not the charm. So this is uh, what we call our recovery year, where uh, we took a beating last year, but this year everything is better. Sponsorship is up, uh, attendance is up, got some great shows, so we're back and better than ever. Excellent. Well, the, the new location here at the old location, that yes. is the Biltmore, has been here probably longer than any other place you guys have been in. Oh, for sure. This is like uh, old school Hollywood. That's what yeah. we really like about it. It's really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, the amenities are much nicer. Uh, everything seems much more connected in terms of being able to get to all the rooms quickly. And Yeah, I mean, the layout's a little confusing because we're spread out a little bit, but once you kind of get the rhythm down and find out where everything is, it's uh, people are figuring it out. That's cool. So, and it's one of the reasons is it's such a big hotel that there's other events going on, too. And uh, also, only certain rooms were available for this weekend. So oh, we kinda, really? Yeah, so we kind of had to pick and choose... Uh, which weekends and where and what was available. So this is how it worked out. We got the rooms we wanted for this weekend. They're just a little spread out from each other. So, so we're adding more signs, so that'll help. <laughs> so after last year, was there a, a doubt you guys would be, even be able to put this one on this year? There was definitely a doubt, but also it put us in so much debt. I mean, the... the, the uh, partners, we put in a lot of our own money, like tens of thousands of dollars, just to be able to uh, continue doing it. I mean, that's a real punch in the face. Is really when you uh, work really hard on something, not only for free, but then end up putting money in. So yeah. uh, this year, we needed to get that money back and uh, just show that the festival is viable. So we took a long, hard look at everything. It was like our budget, our location, our talent. Um, and we came up with kind of like LA Podfest 2.0, which is what this year is. 
we added a whole podcast pro section, and that's been very successful. We've seen uh, the attendance for that just really jump. Like right now, there's a panel on stats to, being done by Lipson, and it's standing room only. I really? mean, you can't even get in there right now. So we're, we're seeing that there's a dual track of uh, people that want to come to LA PodFest, ones that want to learn about podcasting, and ones that want to come and just see the shows. And now there is some overlap for that, for sure. sure. There's a lot of people who are our podcasters who go to the panels, hang out in the lab, and then go see some shows at night. Yeah. So, so we're, we want to cater to everybody and kind of have a, uh, an all-inclusive umbrella for every everything and all things podcasting. Well, that's great because in, in past years, there's certainly been a lot of podcasters that show up, and it is a crossover audience. Um, but I think there was... I don't know if disappointment was the right word, but I think they were expecting to, to find more of the sort of podcast pro yes. approach. You know, I yeah, want to get into this, or I'm doing this. There, there was definitely a couple of, uh, there's some feedback that we got, oh, if you had panels all day, I would have stayed all day. Really? So, so and that's what we did this year. It's like there's panels all day. They don't go into the night, they, but they start early. We start yeah. at noon. And they go to six. I mean, that's a that's a strong panel. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great uh, schedule, especially when there's dual tracks. So I, I was happy to, to uh, be asked to do a couple of them. That's uh, yeah, we're happy to have you. And one of the ones that kicked it off was uh, how to start your podcast. Yes, and that was. Um, they were really packed panel, and we had a, the thing I like about it too is the podcast fans and the podcasters are just so easygoing and polite. Like, <laughs> yes. like I've never seen a Q&A where someone asks a question, we answer it, then everyone says, thank you, afterwards. <laughs> Every time someone, we answered a question, literally, someone said, oh, thank you. Yeah, like, very polite. Yes. Very polite. And we didn't have a, an audience mic for our panel yesterday, and no. that first gentleman wanted to help us out, so it was so loud, we didn't yes. need a microphone. No, we did not. <laughs> they, they could hear him in the other panel room. <laughs> Um, but it, 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 you said attendance is up, and I think I, I certainly have seen that just in the hallways. It's just uh, a yes. lot of people milling around. Um, you know, a lot of people don't want us to don't want it to end. A lot of people have said, "Look, I've made friends here. I come here every year. It really means a lot to me. Please don't end it." And you know, and we want to keep it going. So I will say this: it's going in the right direction. Yeah, we're, we're really it's very promising. It looks like we will continue to do it. Oh, that's great! So, and there's a there's a, even in the podcast lab here. There's a, this camaraderie because all these people have come every year. Yes, it's amazing. And you set up your corner, you find it, and you plant, and you're right. like, "This is it. This is the Succotash corner." That's right. But you know, last year when I I left early the third day, so and there there wasn't a uh, there was no food in the podcast lab, so I went to the drugstore across the street and bought a bunch of Halloween candy and put it out. And then this year when I got here, one of the other podcasters had already done that. There's a huge basket of candy over there that's provided that. by her. Yeah, yeah. And it was like <laughs> the podcasters are actually helping, you know, fill and brand the lab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was really nice, and we like to see that too. We always like to see that uh, podcasters giving stuff to other podcasters. <laughs> so there's no live stream this year. Will people no. be able to hear... The results of what's happened here? Will it be available online at some point? It will not, no. Oh, this, really? this okay. is really a, um, a live-only event this year. There's, I mean, we are recording the panels, but I don't know if we're going to release them or not. It might be something where 
we just kind of keep it like what you had to be here for. Uh, now, a live stream is something that we'll look into in the future if we can add it, if we have a sponsor. Yeah. Like, it has to make sense. I mean, I think one of the problems is people are so used to getting content for free on the internet, especially video. Yes. Um, the, the, you know, people that showed up for the live stream were not the numbers that we had expected. So it was something. It was another thing that cost us money. So in the end, so if we don't have a sponsor, if we don't have it covered, and if we don't have the ticket sales to justify it, it's not something that we would continue doing. Uh, but again, there's there there's no definitive answer. Like no, we'll never do it again, or yes, we're definitely doing it again. We'll look at it. And if we get a sponsor, we'll bring it back. And or maybe we'll do a pre-order where like yeah. if you want the live stream, you have to pre-order it now. And if we get to a certain number where it makes sense, then we'll do it. Well, it's almost like, you know, that you started this event with a Kickstarter, you could do a Kickstarter we, for the live stream. That's say, exactly what if we, we would hit do. That number. If we uh, we might just kickstart the live stream and say, look, if you guys want it, um, this is the number we have to hit for it to be viable. Yeah. And well, I, I will say this, it was a lot of um, foreign sales. Like Australia really showed up for the live stream. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was America that really where the ticket sales were down. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I admire the, the uh, passion that you and the other organizers have to keep the thing going. And also, I mean, this is still, even though you know, now we've had podcasting for almost 20 years, but it's still this emerging, growing, not just entertainment field, but the technology keeps changing. Yes. And so you guys are willing to do that, to say, well, let's try the live stream thing. And it doesn't work, then, yeah, you, you, you took a hit on it, but you you know, you know went out there and you, you tried it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that takes passion. That isn't just, let's just try and make a bunch of money off this thing. Right. Is, We're going to take a chance here and see if this works. If it doesn't work, we may end up eating it. And But it doesn't... You weren't afraid to go. Let's tr let's do this another year. Exactly. We definitely we you know we, we want to try new things. I mean, the other thing too is we were the first podcast festival. We pioneered a lot of the stuff here. I mean, so and you could see it in other festivals. People came here, saw what we were doing, and then applied it to other places. Yes, very very close on, in the time timeline. <laughs> yes, yes. There was another thing that hurt us last year. A, a, another giant corporate festival dumped right in our laps a month later. Um, so. But we didn't have that this year, so that certainly helped. Um, like I said, everything moved in the right direction this year. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, but one of the things we've always wanted to do is try different things. Like last night, we had a movie screening at 11, and a lot of people showed up for it. Oh, you did? Know, yeah. you know, uh, Graham and I, for Comedy Film Arts, we curated it. We showed a really funny action comedy called Killing Gunther. And it's something we would look into expanding, for sure. Like, you know, more movie screenings. The guy that I'm staying with, a buddy of mine, uh, is actually the producer of Killing Gunther. Oh, really? Oh, that's... And he was surprised to find out that they were showing it last night. <laughs> well, he didn't know. He didn't know. He said, yeah, they're trying to show it, you know, before it comes out in some places where there's like a, a niche audience they think will really enjoy it. So yeah. I hope it went over well. It, You know, it was late. So I didn't stay to watch the entire audience reaction. I had seen the movie before oh, okay. as a screener, yeah. and uh, but as soon as the movie started, people were laughing. So oh, we knew it was. It's got a great cast. Yeah, so. and it's a funny movie. It's a really well put together uh, action comedy. Actually, it's more of a comedy action. Yes, the comedy came first, <laughs> which is good, and it was structured in a really nice way. 
So uh, check that out when it comes out on video. That's great. Um, I will let you go. I know it's a, a busy time, but thanks for stopping by. Absolutely. And, uh, Glad to always have you here, Mark. It's a pleasure to, to uh, come back and help you guys out this year. So yes. I was happy to be part of the... Uh, yeah, we're happy to have program. you as part of Podcast Pros. Thank you. I now you don't have to buy a ticket. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, great. We'll, um, we'll catch up with you uh, along the way in the next couple days with the festival still going. Great. And uh, continued success with, uh, oh, you've got your, uh, we should talk about this, you've got your graphic, uh, your graphic novel is yes. coming together. Yeah, it is coming together really nicely. It's called Long Ago and Far Away. It was kickstarted uh, last year, but it's, it's a massive undertaking. So it's going to be about 180 some pages. Well, the artwork is looking so, great because yes. I, I get the Kickstarter updates yeah, and it's looking we, terrific. We're doing our, uh, updates every month. Uh, one big announcement is that Mark Wade, the comic book writer, is going to be doing a foreword to the book. Oh, fantastic! So, so we'll be putting it together. The goal is to get it all together, get it laid out, and then to have a uh, a small press pick it up and then buy those copies from the small press and then send out the Kickstarter rewards that way. That's great. Because uh, from what I've I've been talking to a lot of different comic book creators, and this is not a world that I'm 100% familiar with, so it's new to me, yeah. is that there's a lot of small presses that will pick up a finished book and not take the rights to anything. Like, they keep creator-owned content, which is so refreshing because, you know, any type of deal, you're like, oh, you're giving away your rights or yes. whatever. And what they do is they take their percentage off the top from publishing it, but you retain the rights. Oh, and it's okay. a perfect thing for yeah. comic book creators. They don't pay advances or anything, but if the book's already done, it doesn't matter. Right. So uh, we're really excited about it. If you guys want to learn a little bit more about it, you can actually, the Kickstarter page is still up. You could go look up Long Ago and Far Away and see the welcome video, and then you could download the first chapter. That's still available. Yeah. That's great. And then Comedy Film Nerd still going strong. Comedy Film Nerd still going strong and launched the new podcast, Conversations from the Abyss. Oh, yeah, yeah. How yeah, is that going? Yeah, it's going really well. It's a scripted uh, Twilight Zone horror podcast. And uh, people have been saying it's been creeping them out, which has been good. <laughs> and I'm borrowing cast from Thrilling Adventure Hour and Welcome to Night Vale. So it'll, it'll be a lot of people that the fans of their shows are familiar with already. That's terrific. But basically, I'm having comedians do creepy things. Excellent, excellent. Well, that sounds great, Chris. So, and uh, I hope the rest of the festival uh, continues to be enough of a success that we uh, see uh, year seven. Yes, we hope so as well. Well, thanks, Mark. This is always a pleasure. Thank you, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, acoustics in that room aside, the new location this year was pretty cool. Once you figured out where everything was and in and around the other events going on that weekend. And Chris is a great guy. I'm sure he was the, the one chiefly responsible for me being asked to host two of the panels and be a guest on a third panel at this last year's last podcast festival. So thank you, Chris. And uh, be sure to catch him and Graham Elwood, his co-host, also co-founder, another co-founder of the podcast festival with their Comedy Film Nerds show over at ComedyFilmNerds.com. Time to grab a hunk of some new comedy podcast goodness. We heard from the Nothing's Good soundcast when a guy named Adam directly uploaded their premiere episode to our Hightail.com link with this note, quote, Here's the first episode of my podcast. It's a storytelling podcast about messed up things that have happened to you. Use whatever you like from it, unquote. There's been about a half a dozen episodes since the one this clip came from. This one's entitled Slimy Peaches. And so far, there's not a whole lot of information on their home site. Uh, 
The About link reads, quote, Stories of Failure and Regret by the World's Foremost regret <laughs> Regrettable Failures, a storytelling podcast of things gone awry, unquote. All right, well, with that in mind, here we go. That's meta. But not to make you guys like actually take the drive. I would play that game before. Like the one time Thomas the Red, the Viking, he was talking about going to this open mic and he was like, it was in Binghamton mm. and uh, it's a good hour drive. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll just come. I'll, I'll just come grab you. I was like, you want to meet somewhere? He's like, yeah, where should we meet? And I was like, the vape boss, Dixon City, the, <laughs> the vape shop. Okay. He's like, all right. All right, I'm gonna get dressed and I'll meet in 20 minutes. I was like, "All right, text me before you leave." <laughs> like this is all going on in our little group chat. Text <laughs> me, he's like, "All right, man, I'm ready to go." And I was like, "I was just kidding, I can't go out." <laughs> he was like, <laughs> "Oh man, that's he was such probably a sick move." That fucking, he loved that, it. He that, that, that's how I know he has a expensive. Yeah, too. <laughs> <laughs> like four dollars. <laughs> this was before that. No, I'm just oh, fucking yeah. with him. This it's is been before a fortune, the full on a fortune in blade oil. <laughs> That's a good conversation to have. You guys have heard of an MRE before, right? Yes. What's that? The, yeah. Those like uh, meals, uh, meals that last for uh, ten happened, years. A right? meal that's ready to eat. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's what MRE stands for. By the no, way. I got it. I was around oh, these yeah. things my whole entire <laughs> life. Okay. Because my father was in the military, and uh, the fucking food in them was awesome. I mean, they even had little tiny bottles of Tabasco sauce. I have a funny story about one of those bottles. So go for it. No, you first. Okay. Well, it's not about the bottle, but. We'll come back to it. <laughs> Is this going to be the same way as like when you got your pecker touched? <laughs> it's like going to be... What, gold? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't mean like, like that. That was my favorite story. I mean... Uh, Stories of no. me being the dumbest kid? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I was trying to tie that into like that bottle being inserted. I don't know. Uh, Who I knows? I'm an idiot. But anyway, I was... These MREs. Right. With the little tiny salts or whatever. <laughs> They they had a food warmer thing in them. Did you guys ever know that? It yeah. was like a oh, yeah, like the little metal thing that you unfolded. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. You fold it up, and yeah, it would actually exactly warm your fucking about. food. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you if you knew, like the power of those fucking things. Mm-hmm. You could actually, you take a sixteen ounce bottle, and then you fill it up about a fifth of the way with water, mm-hmm. and you put that thing in there, and then you close it. And you the best one to use would be like. Uh, like a plastic, like those hard plastic ones, like the the Pepsi or whatever the fuck. Okay. Anyway, and then you you, you throw that in there, you shake it up, 
toss it and you run away as fast as you fucking can. Okay. And then it just makes the loudest noise you've ever heard. I mean, it sounds like if Why? you set one of those things, it expands things, the bottle. And it it expands the bottle, and the 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 popping of it is just a, a massive fucking loud bang. What does like the fuel that you throw into it? The the warmer itself, oh, like okay. that that foil warmer thing. Right. You put it in there. Oh. Okay. And, and like I, I mean, what is I'm it, not like, going to turn this into a Bill Nye episode. I can't. <laughs> I can't do I the chemical right compound because I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> it heats up the you water. Can, you, and, you can YouTube and water it. Water expands when it's heated. Be right a science guy. <laughs> Be right. <laughs> nice. Dude, you, you crushed it. You ate like oh four already. <laughs> uh, Good on you. Well, thank you. That's the name of this podcast. <laughs> Be, not, Be right a science guy. <laughs> For the people at home, he's folding. Ted is folding into Yeah, he's yeah. literally folding himself I, up into I, luggage. I fucking, sorry, too much praise. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to continue. I still think like you're a dick. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. All right, good. It's cool. As long as, as, long as yeah, that's yeah, intact. because Nothing's shit. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> There's a taste of nothing's good. The first episode is an hour and 15 minutes of pretty much that. And although you hear a few first names and it doesn't seem, or it seems like some of the guys are comedians, there isn't a whole lot of identifying going on, at least in this kickoff show. I dig the samba music in between bits. That's pretty awesome. Check out the show at nothingsgood.libson.com slash website. They're also on uh, podcasts at Apple. They're on, uh, I think they're on Stitcher. They're probably on SoundCloud, and just check them out. Again, that's Nothing's Good. And, guys, thanks for uploading your podcast. If you're a podcaster, a comedy podcaster, would like to upload your clip to us, an MP3 or Wave clip is just fine. Listen at the end of the show. Our announcer, Bill Haywatt, will give you the address to upload your link directly to us. Or me or our associate producer, Tyson Sainer, may just happen to find you out there in the SoundCast wilderness. All right, I got a chance to sit down in the podcast lab on the last day of the podcast festival with a friend of Succotash and friend in real life, Travis Clark, who is there with his new Soundcast partner, Jonathan Sadowski. They have a show that's been going a few months now called Quick Question, and we get into that and more right now. All right, so my first actual podcast interview since I've been here on Friday, what? By, by the way, because the sound quality in this room is so horrible. Amazing. I, the only other person I interviewed was Chris Mancini, one of the organizers of the podcast. Well, Mark, I guess all we have to say is uh, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We're here to, uh, to echo and to help. Thank you. I have uh, Jonathan Sadowski and I have Travis Clark, the hosts of the brand new, well, relatively brand relatively new, new soundcast called Quick Question. Yes, sir. And, uh, of course, if you want to hear Travis Clark on a previous episode, you can listen to the one just before this one. I'm like a, I, I can't stop being on Succotash. You're like the ghost of Succotash. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and again, fantastic sound quality because that was recorded in my car right. driving down I-5 <laughs> from a speakerphone into this very Zoom recorder. Oh, really? I'm using. It's yes. not about the quality. It's about the so the more times he's been on, yeah. the better he yeah. actually yeah. sounds. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, great to talk. I talked to you guys the other night at the big party they had. Yeah, which, yeah. on the real, real, real rager. They have never had a PodFest party on the 42nd floor of a building. You shouldn't let that many podcasters that high. No. <laughs> where they could jump. It's a bad, uh, bad, bad idea. <laughs> uh, but uh, you guys just did your live show. 
Yeah. How'd that go down? We did. You know, it was uh, it was an historic event for Quick Cubot. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, a baker's dozen of people, uh, a deafening crowd screaming at us. Oh wow. um, Small but mighty. Like Small, they were very yeah. on board. They were yeah. very. Uh, yeah. We also had a celebrity guest, Mike, uh, celebrity chef Michael Voltaggio as our guest. It was good, and he's kind of a bro, so it's like it was. Yeah. It was very. Uh, it's just three dudes hanging just out. Three dudes hanging out in a, in a couple chairs. You know, a podcast. Three dudes, three dudes hanging out in a couple chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you got a new title, which is yeah, fantastic. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. quick question. I mean, come on. Yeah, it has alliteration. But. <laughs> no, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. Now that's the first time you guys have done live. I mean, you've first hardly time, first time yeah. we did live and first time we had a guest. So we we, we popped two cherries with that. Wow, one. nice. Yeah. So. We got that out of the way. Nice. So how, because your interaction Next on... Next time will last longer. <laughs> we probably <promise. laughs> It wasn't them, it was you. Yeah. Uh, but so you guys have gotten this great chemistry because I've heard just, you know, the shows you've done so far. But what was it like, like translating that chemistry to the live stage? Um... I tried to keep it to since we all knew each other because uh, I know Volt through um, through Sadowski and we've all hung out before, so it wasn't having to get to know an, uh, our guest for the first time. Yeah, and the kind of ease between Jonathan and I is what made the show work. So I knew that would be there even in a live setting. And it's just kind of knowing what each of our strengths were and just kind of letting you know he kind of led the, the charge in the beginning. He was kind of. I won't say talking too much, but talking more than I was. <laughs> and you I say I was talking yeah, too much. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. You know, I was, I, you know, you guys still do this dance. It's cute, <laughs> where you don't want to offend the other person. That's We're still in our first year of marriage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Technically, still in our honeymoon yeah, phase. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm waiting to hear the show. That that, that goes. Where it off breaks. The rails. Yeah. You know what, Travis? Just suck my dirty. <laughs> You don't have to, the beep yourself. Oh, okay, great. Uh, no, that's just how he talks. I got hypnotized when I was in high school, and I can't swear. Is your uh, standards of practice? My mom was worried about my vernacular when I was growing up, and she got a hypnotist. To this day, I can't swear. Personal standards and practices. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm my own HR. <laughs> um, I think it translated pretty good. It was, it was interesting to go from what would make the two of us laugh and what would make things laugh in the room. Yeah. Sometimes they would coincide and sometimes they would not. And so that's yes, the... Our uh, highbrow humor often <laughs> floated above the head of our audience. Yeah. That's my, funny. One of my favorite moments is when I made a joke and just saw my wife, Randy, sitting there and just giving me a nod like, no, it was funny. And the rest of the room was silent. <laughs> like, it was a real, like, no, you're funny, honey. Like, it was, Aww, but it was endearing. Like, sweet. I actually found it, I actually made me laugh. So, um, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty easy transition for us yeah. to get in front of an audience. Yeah. I mean, we still haven't been in front of I an mean, audience. Like, I mean, you know. my whole theory on podcasts is, you know, you can't perform differently when you're in front of an audience because you, technically the podcast isn't for an audience, or like a, a live audience. It's for people to listen to. That's right. So you can't change it up. You got to do the same thing you've been doing, the same thing. The, you got to perform the, the way that, that people like you to perform. There's I, a reason why people listen to the podcast. You can't change it up just because now you're live, you know? I've done a, two live versions, one at the the, the uh, lab space next to the improv mm -hmm. and one up in San Francisco for Sketchfest last year. And I think the first one, I had Dana Carvey as a guest, the one at the improv. We had seven people in the audience. I'd, and then it's the so one, funny the way that works. The one at Sketchfest, we had seven people in the audience, and we had three guests. And to me, as I said, I said this is like doing my podcast with a few people looking in the window of my house, right? Basically, yeah. and they they because they're a podcast audience coming to watch a live podcast, they don't even really respond that much, right? Because they're used to hearing it in their room. Yes, yeah. we. I mean, our room didn't really have like the um, theater lighting; like it was yeah. just all bright. Yeah. So you can see when people were checking their phone, which is. 
hurt a little more than I planned. <laughs> no, one no one left. That's true. Everyone stayed. Everyone stayed. No one left. We had a 100% 100% retention. retention. <laughs> you know, one of the other interesting dynamics of this year's Podfest is for the first time that I can remember, and I haven't been to a lot of the shows, but I'm hearing kind of the same thing from the other people I've talked to that the, the turnout hasn't been that great. I mean, it's, it's been smaller, a, right? Yeah, smaller, year, yeah. But I've been on these panels, and the panels are getting huge crowds. Weird. I've had like 50 people for the three panels I've been on. 50 wow. people each one. So, yeah, we even went, we went to a few in the in like some of the bigger spaces, and it was just like like half full. Yeah, you know? well, well, I think so too. The rooms are enormous. Yeah, they're yeah. massive. But there's also a lot of podcasters here, and so they want to come learn stuff as opposed to going to hear a podcast. Right. I think. I mean, I can't tell. It's still such a weird animal. It's such a like personal product that people ingest. Like it's like even a TV show. A lot of those are filmed in front of the live audience. You, know, you yeah. can get that kind of thing. These things, it's like they're made to be like with headphones on or to do while you're driving or doing something right, it's else. it's very personal. Yeah, so it, it becomes like a weird thing to try and find a live audience for. But. That would have been fun. <laughs> if, we put, if we handed out headphones to everybody as <laughs> they walked in. Yes. And we spoke into headphones. And we had no idea what they or were they actually did, listening to. They, yeah. they didn't have to be plugged in. Just no, earbuds yeah, 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 just dangling. Just dangling. Just to make them feel like <laughs> yeah. they're at home, you know? It's a great idea. I love that. Next time, and then yeah. they then they can keep it for when they leave. Yes. Right. So like it's have a, a little, little case, souvenir. little cases, quick question on yeah. it. Just little earbuds. Yeah. Oh, God Look damn it. Us. What was a day late and a dollar short? You wow. know, technically, I think it's we still have the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no! Come back, come back, come back, come back! We have an idea for a present that we'd give you if you if we had time to make it. It's amazing. <laughs> um, the, uh, it's interesting that idea of people having this personal experience and how much they can express themselves. Because I was listening to. Um, uh, what podcast? David Feldman was a guest on uh, uh, Fitz Dog. Okay. And it was Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg Fitzsimmons yeah. podcast, and it was the day before Feldman was going to divorce court, and he'd been married for like twenty-five or thirty years, and he was so bitter, and so, and it was fucking hilarious. I mean, it was just. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't being precious about it. He was making it into humor. Interesting. But it was just so, but, and I was laughing out loud. I was running in the dark <laughs> at 5 o'clock in the morning on this mountain trail. I'm going, if somebody saw me right now, they, they would think be you're crazy. Gen yeah, genuinely yeah. afraid. That's hysterical. You're just and running, th laughing in the dark. Laughing out loud <laughs> to, no, to apparently nothing. Um, so it is interesting. And you can see people. It's funny. If you look around like in traffic in the morning, I think there are more people beginning to listen to podcasts in that Yeah, it's, it's a very good commute. You know, yeah, it's very commute-driven. Right. Can, I've seen people chuckling and laughing, and you, you're not listening to terrestrial you know, radio. I no, can it's, tell it's really right. funny. It's really funny about the whole uh, how much you're able to like chime in and stuff like that. Because one of my good friends, Ben Feldman, he's another actor. He just sent me a text, and he goes, "You have no idea how fucking frustrating it is." to hear your two friends discussing something and you not being able to chime in. <laughs> you're like talking about like ghosts or something like That's that. Really. He like just like does not believe in it at all. And he's like, you have no idea how difficult this is. He's like, you guys sound stupid and I just, I can't chime in. He's <laughs> like, I can't. He's like, I just have to sit there and listen to you. <laughs> That's one of the last times I, I t called you is because I heard you on a podcast. I think it was... That's right, yeah. 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 He doesn't and, know about the other one. Don't mention it. Oh, how many extra ones you had? <laughs> It was him and Beth, Ben Feldman. Oh, really? Yeah. But Jonathan goes, you're always the one I come home to. Oh, yeah. so and he goes, oh, oh that makes me feel fucking better. <laughs> but that was that thing. He goes, oh, he's talking about something. So I go, I'm going to just call him and say something. Because I wanted to chime in. It's amazing. 
amazing. That's very funny. That's very funny. Yeah, it, it is fun to see, like, because we'll get those kind of tweets and stuff too from people of like, oh, I'm I'm the only person in my workplace right now laughing, and everyone thinks I'm crazy, or you know, oh, I wanted to talk to you about this, or you, what do you think about these haunted houses? And you know, it's <laughs> funny. It's also funny when people, because podcasting, you know, we're on a delivery schedule of doing one a week. But when people find it, you have no control over it. That's right. So people will find so people are finding my old show and asking me questions about something I said six years ago. And I'm like, I don't, no, I don't know what I talked about this week. I don't know. What I have no idea what our live show was about. I'd have to go back and listen to it. So you just blow people off, basically. Uh, yeah, very much. I, I'm a terrible person. I have no fun. Not yeah. interested. <laughs> so Jonathan, you've never done a podcast before. This I is have your not. First, so. Yes. Yeah, Travis. Uh, when I, I moved in next door to him, and uh, he mentioned that he had tiny odd conversations with his wife Brandy and. You know, I'm, I'm familiar with some podcasts. I listen to like Rogan and a few other ones, and it's like, oh, let's give it a whirl. We had a good chemistry, and you know, we liked hanging out. So uh, we went over to his place. And so, what do you think of the medium as a performer compared to TV and other things you've you've worked in before? It's great. You know, it's uh, I don't find it much different. You know, being an actor, you, you do phone interviews all the time. You call into places all the time. You know, or you'll do a written interview all the time. So. It's not always about being in front of the people. Right. You know, it's, it's still sometimes you're not seen and just heard, right. whether it's on paper or you know through headphones. Now, do you guys just have a conversation, or are you trying to crack each other up on purpose? We, we, I guess we I try to keep it light. Yeah, I think it's I, personally for me. I think it's somewhere in between. Like if I'm making him laugh, because it's an, oh, you know, he's the only other audience at the moment. So if he's laughing, then I know what I said was funny, and vice versa. But we are trying to have a conversation, but we play off of each other well, and we have a similar sense of humor. So, I mean, there's one time I made him laugh so hard he almost passed out. Literally, and I was like, I'm yeah. gonna, I, I, I had to like recline my seat. I was like, I'm gonna faint. I'm gonna faint. That could have been the the rehypnol, which he often yeah. Plies, yeah. Yeah, 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 which yeah. he often yeah. plies his guests with. Yeah, that's He's how like, they... All right, we're gonna do our first podcast. Uh, just put these handcuffs on, and like, why are they chained to a radiator? Yeah, like, Wait. this coffee tastes funny. <laughs> how come there's no windows? In yeah. <laughs> we like it soundproof. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, we always say one of our, our slogans is, you know, quick question is somewhere between comedy and compelling. Oh, nice. I like we, it. We try to toe that line. That sounds good. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes we'll sit there and we'll talk about how I used to be a clown. And then sometimes we'll talk about astral projection and what that, if, if you meditate, can you travel through time by going into leaving your body? And, you know, so yeah, we, we, we talk about some, some intelligent stuff. We talk about, you know, or not, I mean, we talk about some compelling stuff and, um, some, maybe some serious issues and stuff like that, but you know, we always try to bring it back to, to making people smile. We never want to end with someone being like, dun dun, yeah. you know? Like, no, why did I listen to this? <laughs> no. yeah. We want to end it on a high note. That's great. That's Which great. is why we give all of our uh, subscribers free heroin. Yeah. Every time, yeah. First one's free. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, any idea how listenership is growing at this point? It's kind of good. It's up and down. Yeah. You know what's crazy? We, we noticed when school starts, everybody dips. Really? Yeah. A lot of our listeners were college or high school kids, even, which oh, was surprising. Okay. So when school started, it was like, you know, when we started just before, just towards the In end summer. of summer, huge. And then it dipped, and it's coming back, and now other people are finding the show. Other people in other countries, and they're saying things, and it's great. Maybe your initial listenership were pedophiles, and the reason I would hope school so. starts, yeah. so it dips, yeah. I gotta get busy. I gotta get <laughs> <laughs> That's. That is data we've never considered. Yeah, that is new data. I mean, look, this is why you have to use analytics. <laughs> Maybe you have your to figure listeners it. are pedophiles. I don't have free time. They're all in one place now. Seriously, Com compelling and 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and convicted. Yeah, somewhere between compelling and convicted. <laughs> That's great. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for stopping to talk to me. Awesome. Anytime. You are, you are your, a mensch. Love your show. Thank I'll, you, man. I'll clip you again and again. You're the best. And uh, God love you both. <laughs> Back at you. Hey, Always fun to God talk to you. God bless America, Mark. <laughs> Those guys are great. Well, I already knew Travis was great, but now I know Jonathan was also great. We hung out for the part of uh, the better part of the uh, opening night party up on the 41st floor rooftop of some law firm in downtown L.A. for the podcast festival. And it was the nicest that this soundcaster has ever been treated by anyone. Check out their show, Quick Question, at quickquestion.libson.com or find them on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever finer soundcasts can be found. All right, before we take another step deeper into your ears, just in time for Thanksgiving, let's grab a message from our sponsor. Hello, friends, and happy Thanksgiving from everyone at Henderson's Pants. Rather than waiting for Black Friday and getting dunked in the middle of the shopping deluge, we've got an early treat for all your meat, if your meat of choice happens to be turkey. Introducing Henderson's new turkey trousers, just in time for the traditional holiday feast. Turkey trousers, though stylish and available in a variety of snappy fall colors, bring something else to the table that isn't as obvious to the casual observer. They're made with Henderson's patented expanding waistband, the Waist Not Want Not, which allows you to go from svelte to stocky in a single meal, and without having to unbelt, unsnap, or unzip your pants in an uncouth manner. How, you might ask? Well, friends, the belt is built in and simply a part of the waste-not-want-not expanding design. Before dinner, your pants are as snug as a bug in a rug, so there's no need for a real belt to hold them up. After you stuff your face with turkey and cranberry sauce and sweet potatoes with that marshmallow stuff on top and string beans in the disgusting jello mold with stuff floating in it and pumpkin pie with whipped cream, not to mention highballs and eggnog and wine, the waistband expands as you do, but always with just enough extra room so you don't feel or look stuffed to the rafters. And after dinner, the Waste Not Want Not has enough extra give that you can pull your Henderson's turkey trousers right up around your chin and burrow into the couch for a well-deserved nap. Originally designed for use by the Incredible Hulk, Kim Kardashian's ass, and the entire Mormon Tabernacle Choir, Henderson's turkey trousers are available wherever bedraggled-looking Santas are standing outside, ringing their bells for your spare change. That's Henderson's, makers of shin sheaths and butt cradles since 1621. And now, back to Succotash. As you may have been able to tell, our friend Bill Haywatt was not available for that spot. We're in the middle of contract negotiations, so he is only doing the intros and outros to the show until we figure out his deal for the next coming period of time. So I did that myself, and I'm not proud, but it was okay. Let's grab another clip out of the Hightail Direct upload bucket. This time we have a chunk from a relatively new show called Pretty Gross, hosted by Alyssa and Kayla. Here's the note they included with their upload. Quote, hey there, here's a clip from Pretty Gross, episode two. Google it, a Pretty Gross Halloween special. That's the title. In it, Alyssa, Alyssa and Kayla talk about their recollections of learning about womanhood and how they don't want any of those questions answered by their moms. Enjoy! Unquote. I think when I was in fifth grade, I went through like a time where I wouldn't say the word vagina. I was... <laughs> 
were you as a fifth grader saying like in circumstances where you had to say vagina often? Uh, no, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade is like when you learn about being a woman and they show you that cool calming video of how you your hips widen. Yours was calming. You get boobs. Yeah, it was like mine that. was like a dramatization of like a girl like getting her period and then she was like carrying a bunch of pads <laughs> at school and then she like runs into her crush and they all fly into the air. No. It wasn't very calming. No, ours was like this like weird cartoon. Like one of those Tampax cartoons with like the girl was a white figure but she she had like black lines drawn with her and she had like a, a high ponytail. Sounds it was classy. it was a pink background. Of course it was. And it was like your hips widen and you develop breasts. And yeah, so it was that. I think I vomited. And so they would be like, the in your vagina. And I and I was always just like, and so I think that traumatized me a little bit because sure. I hated it because my mom first for, forced me to go. Uh, she was like... You had the option to not? Well, the, I think your parents signed you up oh, for this like, class. It was okay. like girls night and then and then you had like a, a separate boys night and the boys okay. would go in the boy teacher room and the girls would go in the girl gotcha, teacher gotcha, room. Gotcha, and, gotcha. and you would learn about adolescence and becoming a woman. Um, my mom asked me before that. She was like, do you have any questions you want to ask me before? And I was like, nope. Oh, mm-hmm. my mom too. No. <laughs> my mom was definitely like, we're always here to talk to you Good. about anything, Not answer any of your questions. And it's like, listen, I'm sure you guys have a lot of knowledge. Oh, of course. I get it. You had babies. <clears throat> exactly. You had babies. You know what's up when you're fucking. I can't ask you about you know? it. But I cannot. I, but I will never. No. Ever. No. On pain of death. No. Ask you about your sex life? No, ever? No, no. I still to this day. Still to this I day. Can't, I will still not. to this day. I'm like, mom, I don't want to hear about the time you gave that one dude to BJ. I don't. Not I that don't. my mom doesn't try, but <laughs> no, we just do not have that relationship because I put up a firm wall. No. Ever since that moment in sixth grade, and she's like, "Do you have any questions?" And I was like, "No." Nope. Even if I do, I'd rather not right? know. And they try to like suck you in, like at different times in your teenage life, they'd be like. I know, like, John, did Johnny ask you out to the dance? You know you don't have to say yes. And it's like, Mom, I don't want to talk about this with you. I never had that. I'm never. I, I also had the older sister, so that helped because oh. not that she and I talked about anything, but she got books that then later became my books. So hmm. I got to read a lot of, like, all right from 1989, like, <laughs> how did, like, what is it like to be a girl? And that's, uh, <laughs> that's solid. oh, no, my mom did buy me a book once. She bought me a book. It was super cute. And it was, like, everything you need to know about, like, becoming a woman, but we're too afraid to ask, something like that. And it was, like, trying to appeal to, like, young teens and... I was uh, mortified that she bought it. It is. Me. It's mortifying. Still it's read mortifying. It which is why I had trouble saying the word vagina. Sure. And I would just say V. I would just I would just call it my V. Who are you talking to about your V? I don't know. People, you know, kids talk about V's all the I time. I never talked to anyone. Really? About my vagina in fifth grade? No. Well. I said fuck a lot. I said fuck. I said fuck since like fifth or like since third. I was five. I started in third. My parents were like, listen, there's a time and place for this language and it's not at school. But yeah, so I wouldn't say vagina for like two or three years. What's really great about that story is my crazy aunt. Don't say her name. No. You can if you want. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm saying it like she's going to listen to this podcast. It's, I hope it's... to God she does. <laughs> and she gets her own shout out. But she's still 
loves to bring it up to this day. That you said V. To, no. She's like, do you remember that time? That you said fuck? No. When Alyssa was like, when Alyssa couldn't say the word vagina, do you remember when Alyssa couldn't say vagina? I just want to know why you were in so many scenarios where this came up. I don't think I have ever said the word vagina to anyone in my extended family. Like, maybe oh my, my mother, God. probably my sister. That's it. Like... I, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like I just... I call it... I was like, can we not say the word vagina? Can we just say V? And my mom was like, fine. But apparently it was weird to everybody else. Love it. Very refreshing to hear a couple of women just getting real and shooting the shit. They're only about three or four episodes in at this point, so give me your ears on iTunes and other Soundcast distribution points, including their home site at prettygross.libson.com slash website. Back to some interview action, this time with Chris Gore, longtime buddy and friend of this show. He used to host Podcrash with Chris Gore, where he would crash other people's shows and then use that as his episodes. He folded that tent a few years ago, but now he's back with Film Threat, the podcast version of his former hit movie magazine and current website. I didn't know he was going to even be at L.A. PodFest this year, but he showed up and really wanted to record a conversation because he had a question for me about something that felt right in my personal area of expertise, naming, specifically movie titles. It was a little, no, wait, it was exactly like this. Chris Gore joining us at the podcast lab of the sixth annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Welcome back. Yes, I'm Succotash. here. I'm here. I'm here with uh, Mark Hershon at, uh, at, at, at at the pod at the pod at Podfest. So, but I'm I'm here because some things that have bothered me that I think that you could help. Okay. With okay. some independent filmmakers. Okay. So, uh, a really good indie movie recently came out. Uh, that we reviewed on filmthreat.com called This Is Us. Okay. And it is a brilliant indie romance that has sort of a fantasy element that um, uh, my co-host from Film Threat, Anthony Ray Bench, reviewed it on the site, gave it a rave review. The, here's the issue, and this is why I want to talk to you, okay. is it's, there's a TV show already called This Is Us. There is and indeed. this is a movie called This Is Us. And Additionally, down the pike will be these movies that come out that we review, you know, we try to keep the focus indie movie and movies playing in theaters that I know uh, that I have a personal interest in, I know our audience would. Naming is so important. Yeah. Then what's in a name? So I'm asking you, what's in a name of a movie? And you uh, famously uh, helped me, you've helped me in a bunch of different ways, but you helped name a side business I had called So Me Unlimited. That's right. So Me Unlimited, uh, which you can follow the Twitter, which is kind of, I, when I did social media work yeah. for a while, like that, you named the company. I couldn't come up with a name for my company. You are known for naming. That's true. I mean, that's been your business. That's what I do, so yeah. I, I want to ask you, how do you do that? And what are the things that people should know? I mean, the obvious thing, you should just, when you come up with a name, you should Google the name. It should be an original name, that is right? A, that is a big help. It's uh, a big help, for, yeah. From two reasons. One is to eliminate confusion. Right. A friend of mine runs a, a live show in San Francisco called Speechless, mm -hmm. which is a live PowerPoint comedy presentation show. And then now they're interested in trying to do it for television, but ABC has a show called Speechless. Right. Right, which is a sitcom. 
And technically speaking, you can't own a name. That's you can own correct. a trademark, but you can't own a name you can't per own a, se. You can't own a title. Right. Um, you can copyright your work, but you cannot own the actual title, right? Which is why there's, uh, I think, three or four songs called In the Mood. Right. Because you can't get the title. So you're right. You want to eliminate the confusion, and you want something that's original, so you can own it, in a sense. If you're the first one out of the box with that original title, you can stand a good chance to make sure that even if something comes out down the pike that has the same name, people are going to think of your thing first as opposed to the new thing right. because you've established a stake in the ground. Like if I did a movie called Star Wars now, it would probably not... That's, would, I would I'd probably be in trouble. But, but I mean, this also applies, now that I think about it, it really applies not just to namings of movies. I think there's a specialty there in the sense that so many, the success of so many small indie films is due to the digital market where it, you're encouraged to add the letter A to the beginning. I worked on this movie called At Middleton with Andy Garcia <laughs> and Vera Farmiga, and it's a really sweet uh, romance, but the name of the movie was Middleton, and they changed the name of the movie to At Middleton, which is a college in in the okay. film. But because they named it At, it was top top in the because people are lazy. They're like, Ugh. you know, does anyone watch it, movies past the letter S? It's like the I old it's like, like the old phone book listings. You know, yeah, it's, uh, you had like uh, you know quadruple A auto parts. But this is useful, yeah, this is useful information not just for namings of movies. I'm sure there's different, you know, subtleties within each, but also namings of podcasts. Yeah. What's in a name? I don't know how much you want to brag about yourself and your work in this arena, but you work professionally naming things. That's right, yeah. So I, just, just could you brag about yourself is what I'm asking? I'm trying I, to prompt you to bit, brag yeah, about I mean, yourself. I, you know, I work, for a, I work for a large branding firm now. I work for a smaller branding firm for a long time, and doing that work, I've named things like the Blackberry, the original Blackberry. Now, I, what's the Blackberry? The Black I'm kidding. I know what the... Yes, Blackberry. There, there are probably kids being born now that will not have an idea what the Blackberry right, was. Right. Uh, Swiffer for Procter & Gamble. Really? Yes. I purchased Swiffers. Dasani Mineral. The Min Swiffer Duster. Dasani Mineral Water. I'm drinking. There's one in my bag yeah. right now. <laughs> there you go. Look how you touch you so many lives, exactly. my, my included. Uh, Clash of Clans, the tablet game. I named that for Supercell wow. in Finland. Um, on and on. Crackle for Sony. I named that. So, okay, this, okay, you're famous in this arena. I don't well, know why you don't brag about it. My name is not famous, but my names are famous. Right. Well, <laughs> tell me about that then. Like, what is the process you go through? I mean, obviously there's a legal vetting. There's a, I mean, do you start with a Google search? Just because I, I feel that this situation really, like, upset me from the standpoint of this movie, This Is Us, is going to get buried by everything. Even when I, we were trying to look for pictures to post on the, yeah. the Film Threat website, we couldn't find, this is, we kept... Seeing the the TV the, show, the TV show that, that that like everywhere, it was impossible. So hard to find it, and it's such a good film. So I think that this is kind of a, a you know, this is something that is is really important. Then there's movies like where I think the name is so good, you never forget it, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was, I mean, that's such a good name. And there's movies that like. <laughs> There are yeah. films in my mind where it's like the name is so good. I'm going to see a movie just based on the name, and I know that that helped when I when my big fat independent movie was on the festival circuit, and we played about 40 film festivals all over the world. Many people went to see it just because the name stood out in the program guide. Because so many indie filmmakers, the names they want to go with something earnest and sentimental, yeah. and kind of to me that's just it's milk toast. You gotta you gotta like. 
Well, it's the, the name of anything, whether it's a product, a service, a movie, is the core of your brand. So it needs to stand for what you want the brand to be about. Even if the name may not be understandable at the beginning. I was joking earlier with somebody as a branding expert, I, did, I wasn't really smart naming my show Succotash, but to me it's, it is what the brand is because I play clips of other people's shows. So it's this Succotash mm -hmm. of podcasting, right? So people can't spell it, people don't know what Succotash is, but I don't care. To me, it's a brand. And if, if my show ever really got popular, it would make a lot of sense to the right people, right? Um, but I ran into the exact same problem that This Is Us people are doing. Um, it, you know, I had several movies on the Hallmark Channel, and one of them was called Wedding Days, uh, starring John Larroquette. And a year later, a feature film came out called Wedding Days, even spelled D-A-Z-E like I had on the Hallmark thing. Fortunately, mine came out first. But now, if you try to look up Wedding Days online, all you see is that feature film. And mine's gone. Uh, but I, I was there first, so I feel like, well, there's nothing I can do because it's not like I had a chance to correct it at that point. Uh, the This Is Us movie, now I don't know how much release or how much distribution it's had, but if, it's, if it hasn't been widely released, they can change the name. That's, see, that's what I, when do you decide to change the name of something in the process, knowing something else is on the horizon, or do you do like what some have done, especially this, this is, applies more to apps more than anything else is, an app as a name that doesn't, you know, that name didn't exist before, and it's a made-up name, yeah. which is what they've had to do, or, or a clever respelling or a combination of words. Yeah, you know, re, uh, re. Uh, I'm a big fan of portmanteau. Sure. At one point, I, at some point, I want to make a portmanteau bag. I'm sure someone has done that. I love but it. But I love portmanteau, so that has served me with some things. But yeah. what what? What, what, do, what do people do then? Well, in it's those interesting. I, I had a friend of mine who did have to do an independent movie, and they were calling it Casual Encounters. It was based on sort of casual encounters, like on you know Craigslist. Mm -hmm. But there was already something out there called Casual Encounters, and they were starting to hit the art festivals, right? The the, the movie festivals. Mm -hmm. And he said, "What what can we do?" And we came up with a new name, uh, but we but in parentheses it said formally close uh, or Casual Encounters because it had gotten enough attention that they wanted to make sure the people that already had seen the movie or knew about it, knew that it, the title had changed. Right. So those are, those are you know, that's just one kind of thing to think about. Um, it really depends how much distribution the film's gotten. Once it's really out there, it's kind of hard to correct anything unless you like well, do a whole re-release. Well, there was a movie that I know about from film history that was originally titled Revenge of the Jedi. And then when it came out, they change it to Return of the Jedi. And Lucas, at the time, had said that, well, you know, uh, Jedi don't really get revenge. It's kind right. of against the Jedi code. It's, so it's Return, we change it. But the, the rumor was that he changed it because he didn't want bootleggers. There were people bootlegging. As soon as the title was announced, there was bootleg merchandise yes. from Revenge of the Jedi and in, in a way to, you know, dissuade that bootleg merchandise because you know, I mean, you can find in the interview where George Lucas says that he's basically a toy maker. Yes. That he wants, that he's making toys. Yeah. That he changed, he changed it to Return of the Jedi because to, you know, throw them off course. But, but so that's one of the well, rare cases. Where I that's also happened. heard that he flooded the market with Revenge of the Jedi shit. So uh -huh. the stuff that had gotten out early on was no longer worth anything because there were right. so many copies of posters. Right. That he threw out there that it suddenly diluted the marketplace. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah so I that's like, interesting. I, mean, I know too much about Star Wars. But <laughs> now, back to this naming thing, like, are there, 
is there advice that you can give to indie filmmakers and, and I advice you can give to me of like okay we're trying to name something and I, I'm usually good at because I've had friends I've named friends books I've named friends I don't do this professionally this is just right friend will say oh I've got and then oh and I've, I'll name that I've come up with names for um, columns in 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 film threat and and just for all various projects I've come up with names podcasts whatnot I even had a uh, name that was a column in Film Threat in the 90s called Never Coming to a Theater Near You, which ended up, uh, Kenneth Turan actually ended up using it as the title of his book, and I was like, dude, and I called him, and I said, hey, you know, that was, you know, a title of a column in Film Threat. He said, well, it's already done, and the publisher likes it, and that's it, and whatever, and he was right. I mean, whatever, it was a column, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm not so precious about names anymore. Yeah. Like, I really don't, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, what what can you give? Like, I'm like, what sort of kernel of knowledge? Because I think this is important. When you when you're a filmmaker, there's so much that can go wrong. Yes. And, and yeah, the, very little you have control of. Right. But and the title is something you have control of. You have control of the title. So what? I mean, is it well, about first, not being so precious with the name and being willing to pivot? Uh, well, yes. Number yeah. one, don't get married to anything. Right. Uh, number two, we as film as filmmakers and film writers. We have access to one of the best databases in the world, IMDb. Right. And if you have an idea for a title, just stick it in there and see how many times it's already been used, which is probably four or five times. As a short, as a feature, as a TV show, you'll see it all. It's right there and you just go, you know what, I'm going to change it. Rather than go, well, what if we add an E or what if, well, no, that's not going to matter because people, word of mouth is word of mouth. It's not word of spelling. Right. Right. So if you add an E to the thing and it doesn't change the pronunciation, that's not going to help the movie in terms right. of being a unique title. So you really want to go for uniqueness. And people get married to these things early on. I often will have a title for a movie before I've written the script. Oh, right? wow. Because, well, I'll think of the idea and I go, oh, you know, it'd be a great title for this. But then when I get done with the script, I go, oh, that's a shitty title. <laughs> but it was, it was like my stake in the ground for my mind to say this is what the movie is around. Huh. Right? And you just have to know, even when we present names to clients in the branding business, we don't say, here's your name, right? right? We generate literally, like I'm working on a project right now, we've generated 1,300 names. We will select Whoa. we will select 200 of those to put into preliminary legal clearance. So that's a lawyer who looks at those things, sees what else is out there that's close, and from that we may get 70 usable names back. And then we look at those and go, okay, which of these are really defining the brand or really supporting what the brand is trying to say? And we'll winnow that down to a list of maybe 35 names. Wow. And then we'll say, which of these do we really like that we think they can do something with? Lend themselves to a design, uh, they're easy for people to remember, they're easy to pronounce, they're decidedly different from anything that's directly in the marketplace. And that'll give us maybe 20 to 25 names, right? And so we'll show the client 20 featured names, and then we'll show them a backup list of 15 more additional names. Right. We didn't think we're as strong, but it's not our industry. Maybe you guys will see more value in these mm. names. And then we say, now you have to do final legal clearance. We've done preliminary, which mm. is good, but it's about 50% of the way there. Right. So then it's like, now your counsel has to take, first of all, pick eight to 10 of these names we've just shown you. Give those to your counsel. And if you're lucky, if you're really lucky, three to five of those names will come back that you can use. And then you decide with your heart 
Which of those names is the name for your film? I don't think you get paid enough to do this. This is... It's incredibly hard. People have no idea. Well, this is why I thought it was it was so fortuitous running into you here because, and this situation was fresh in my mind where I thought, well, this filmmaker is going to get boned by having a name that's close to a well-known TV show. It's Absolutely. sort of disheartening. Yeah. So I, I just think that that's important. It's something that I, because there's so many names, like a name is something like I'll remember a name. You want, well, you want people to be able to remember a name so they can repeat the name to someone else. And say, I saw X movie at a film festival where I saw 40 films, but this is the one movie that stood out to me. And you want to let people know that. Or in the, the there's so much content now um, that, that, that like for something to stand out is difficult, right? Like, well, yeah, I mean, if, if you think about it like, um, I really like that movie, and the the, the, the title is almost unimportant. It's you know, let's take Star Wars for instance. Okay, yeah. it's it's developed this whole culture around it, right? And then, well, Star Wars, yeah, it's it's this classic thing. It's but think about it like a friend. Like if if somebody walked in the room and said, "Hey, there's Chris Corn," I looked over, and it wasn't a guy with your hairstyle and bleached hair <laughs> and the look that you have. I go, "That's not Chris Gore." No, his yeah. name is Chris Gore. I go, but it's not Chris Gore. Right. Well, if right. you look up Chris Gore on iTunes, there's a preacher that is named Chris Gore. It's very successful, and so that's but you know his what ministry. But so you know what his name isn't? What? That Chris Gore. That's right. That's Well, that's why I did that. <laughs> I was, know, I know. When I signed up for MySpace, this is so many years ago, someone named Chris Gore already had that vanity name, and I was like, dang it. I, so I just said that, Chris Gore. Be, right. You know, I mean it in a derisive way, but... But then that just became through any social network. I would grab that name, and that became your brand. That on became social yeah. So, I, but I wasn't trying to do a brand. No. Just just to be clear, like there's so much talk of branding that in terms of uh, people's careers, and I think that that gets kind of annoying to me. Like I I didn't try to have a brand. I just well, the tried best, to not the the best brands people not be confused. But with, the with, the best brands at their heart are organic. They're the kind of brands that when you look at the thing or you use the product, you go, this couldn't have been called anything else. Right. Like when I tell people the Blackberry story, uh, as it truly happened, not the way the... Can you talk about that now? Uh, nah, I prefer not to. Like, okay. Sometimes get in But wait, if you want to, you'll hear it at some point on the Succotash podcast. At yes. some point, you're going to do it. Yeah, I so have subscribe before, to Succotash. Yeah, I have before in the past. Yeah. But when the names were presented to the CEO in Waterloo, Canada, where Research in Motion was, mm -hmm. um, there were a dozen names that we showed them. But BlackBerry had already become so ingrained for various reasons in the mind of the executives of that company, even I couldn't tell you what those other 11 names were. Because that thing couldn't have been called. And I'm talking about the original BlackBerry, not the phone. This was the original device, right? It was, it was like, like a PDA, right? It, it, was like a little, it looked like a little pager. Yes. And, that, and that's where the, wow. the genesis came from. Because the, the marketing director passed out these prototypes of the device. The one I happened to have was this black plastic pager. But they they'd industrial designed these little tiny rounded black plastic keys on it. I go, it looks like a high-tech version of a BlackBerry. That was the genesis of it. Oh my God! It was just a casual observation. It wasn't you should call this thing a BlackBerry. Wow! But, but the weird leap was the guy from Waterloo, Canada, who is the marketing director, says that's such a cool idea. And I, and I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, there's no such thing in nature as a BlackBerry, so it sounds high tech." And I, we said, "But there is a BlackBerry." <laughs> but because he was from this little town in Canada, outside Toronto, he literally. Had never heard the word Blackberry. Wow. They don't have them there. Wow. They have something called a Loganberry, which is very close. Right. 
And so we literally showed him a picture. This is a Blackberry. He goes, I still like that name. And the CEO was also from Waterloo, Canada. So when it came time to pull the trigger, they they all thought, what a great thing. Well, you, so, I mean, first, I just, I don't think you can emphasize enough how important this is. It's literally making your projects stand out, stand out. And then also, there are things, with Star Wars, it has annoyed me a little bit because I feel the name Star Wars is so big that they don't even care about the name of the, because there's so many Star Wars things. There's TV shows yeah. and video games and this. It's Star Wars and then the subhead of whatever it is, The Last Jedi. Although technically, The Last Jedi was a comic book from a while ago, you, you can just look it up, The Last Jedi, yeah. and there's a comic book with, with that title on the cover. So those that comic writer yeah. didn't realize that far in the future that would actually be the name of episode. I always liked when they went with episode eight, or yes. whatever, episode nine, whatever they're. Yeah, because that the was episode. a story. Yes, and The Empire Strikes Back was, to me, far, like that is the best Star Wars title. And that, the famous story behind that was Gary Kurtz was doing an interview and, and he was asked about what the name of the next Star Wars movie is, and he said, well, they'd kind of be like chapters like out of a serial, you know, those old serials yeah, yeah, that yeah. played at movie theaters. Maybe it would be called something like The Empire Strikes Back, and that just then became the title, but he <laughs> randomly said it in an interview during the development of what was called Hilarious. then Star Wars II, oh my God. which became Episode Five: The Empire yes. Strikes Back. Hilarious. And there we are. I bring everything back to Star Wars, and yes. I was trying to talk about indie film and help indie <laughs> filmmakers and and whatnot. But uh, it was so it's such a pleasure to run into you here Likewise, at this yeah. at this uh, at the festival. Years. Yeah, exactly. And you're I mean I just love that. Like so, I would just say to the Film Threat listeners listening to this. Subscribe to Succotash, check it out. Uh, Mark Hershon is not just does the, I mean, not just working in uh, the the branding firm right. and whatnot, and not just doing the podcast. You're also a screenwriter yeah. that has had films produced, not just a. You're working on your screenplay, so the diversity of your career and just everything you've done, it's just always awesome to talk to you. I just model myself after you, Chris. Well, I got too much going on. I'm just trying to do one thing well, and one day I'll do that. Mark, thanks Chris, for talking to me. Chris, great to, to see you, absolutely. Yeah, great to see you. I am a big fan of Chris Gore. He even helped to uh, kickstarter his Film Threat efforts back into existence. Check out his soundcast, Film Threat, at soundcloud.com slash filmthreat and wherever quality shows are streamed and or downloaded. We've got one last leftover interview from the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Murray Valeriano is a comedian, also the host of Road Stories, where he has comics on to share battle stories about life on the road. He was also featured recently in Jordan Brady's I Am Battle comic documentary about comedians who perform in Middle Eastern war zones for the troops. Our paths have crossed over the years, mainly at the PodFest, but this year, finally, we got a chance to talk it all around. All right, I'm sitting with Murray V, Murray Valeriano. Hey, man. Nice host, to see you again. You too. Host of Road Stories. Mm, the, the Road Stories podcast. The Soundcast. And uh, you got started earlier than probably everyone that's currently in this room. Uh, true, considering, well, no, the Brendo. Brendo has been around for a while, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he might beat me, but I've been about, I'm about 10 years, I think, maybe even more. That's great. Yeah. That's great. But it was so early on that I didn't bother to acknowledge that I was doing it, so I don't have the exact date, but I haven't gone back to figure it out, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just say 10 years. That's, that's all you have to do. <laughs> right. Um, 
So I've been coming to this thing for all six years. I think you've been coming to this thing. I've been involved in the Los Angeles Podcast Festival since the beginning. Yeah. And in one way or another, in one form or another. Yeah. 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 Um, and what do you think of this year compared to previous years? We're in a completely different location. Well, I, the location is, is aesthetically is awesome. Yes. You know, it's the Acu Biltmore Hotel. Yes. It's beautiful. Acoustically, it leaves a little something to be desired. Well, well thank God. I, I was originally in the Gold Room, and I'm sorry your listeners don't know what I'm talking about, but I was originally in, and the sound in that room is awful. But I switched it because I'm insecure, and I think nobody's ever going to come to my show. <laughs> so I switched it to a smaller room, and then of course everybody came to my show. But, but the sound was great. In that. Oh, okay, so, good. Yeah. So because the the sound in the rooms where I've been moderating is great. They're the smaller meetings. Sure, rooms. absolutely. But you got some. There's some cavernous. Yeah. Rooms. Well, this podcast lab is one of them. It's like. Oh, look at look how high the ceilings are. No, it's like a cathedral in here. Yeah. Which is crazy. Do you remember the old Tommy T's? Yes. Up in the one up uh, in. in Pleasant? Uh, Pleasant Hill. The one that was a steakhouse? Yes. That Conquer, had, the one in Concord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That had, it used to be a, a steakhouse, and they converted it to a comedy club. Yeah. And it had the rafters with the high ceilings, and the yeah. laughs just got lost. Well, it's like, it's like where Cobb's Comedy Club is now, on Columbus up there. It was in the cannery. Oh, right, right, right. And it was a great 200-seat room, low ceiling. Sure. Great sight lines. Now they're in what used to be Wolfgang's, which was a music club. Right. High ceilings and everything. A the, balcony. Everything just disappears. Yeah, yeah. It's horrible. Absolutely. Um, Comedy needs to be compact. But you must get to hear about a lot of different rooms uh, from the guests on your show. Oh, absolutely. I'm yeah. assuming. So, oh, sure. Uh, after 10 years of road stories, is there? are you still getting surprised by people's tales of horror? Oh, absolutely. And, I, and, I'm, and the thing is, I'm surprised at... Because I'll have some, you know, I, I have, I, it's not an open door policy for me, but if I respect you as a comedian, you can come on my show. I know a lot of shows have to, well, I'm sorry, you're not a celebrity, you can't be on my show. I'm, I'm not like that. If you're a funny comic, come on my show, let's have a good time. That's great. You know, let's, yeah. and a lot of my listeners are they're like, oh, we love when you have Hardwick, we love when you have Brian Regan, but we love discovering new comics. Yeah. So, um, so I, so, but the thing is, so new comics, sure, I expect the road stories, but then you get some of the bigger guys who are like, oh, you know, I've been doing this for, oh, you know what, about a month ago, <laughs> you know, so it never really, Interesting. it's the only, it really is this, you know, you never know what you, you never know what you're going to get when you step on stage. It really still, no matter, to, to no matter what level you get at. And do you get younger comics telling a story that to them was mind-blowing that you've heard half a dozen times where it's like <laughs> relax kid oh absolutely <laughs> I, had a, I had a young comic on the other day very funny guy and uh he was like oh man i went and i did this bar gig in idaho and they had the the uh the playoff games on the sh on the show and they didn't turn them off like, perfect perfect like dude Wait till they turn them off and see how horrible that is. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> well, they turned off the game. Exactly. The people are there just to see the game. They turn it off to not want to hear comedy. <laughs> oh my God, those oh, those are nightmare gigs. Either, <laughs> like you said, either way. Absolutely. Either way. Um, I believe I talked. I mentioned you when I was covering um, I Am Battle comic because okay. you appear in I Am Battle. Yes. Comic. Yes. 
Um, and uh, we've had Jordan on the show a number of Jordan's times. Jordan's great. My neighbor, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We'll tell him uh, we said, I said hi. I will. I've known Jordan since he was doing stand-up back in San Francisco. Oh, of course you do. Absolutely. Um, but uh, since, since I sort of talked about that movie uh -huh. and uh, talked to Jordan about his experience, uh, what's it been like from a road story perspective of going over and entertaining the troops? Oh, well, it's it was, it's fascinating. It was fascinating. It, it just it's I don't know. It's a, it, it has every level of the bad road story <laughs> and to every level of the good road story to it because you know I obviously these tours are booked by bookers and you being a booker I don't know how, how extensive tours you book but they often think of the way of okay we're gonna fly these guys to London and uh, the next plane leaves at 2, but if we book them on the plane that leaves at 8, I can save $50. So, you know, there's a lot of downtime in the airports, yeah, yeah. a lot of that stuff, uh, but the shows are great. I mean, then you get some, everybody always says, oh man, the, the, uh, the, troops. the audiences, the troops are just so grateful, which 99.9% .9 is true. I happened to do an aircraft carrier that was at sea for six months. And they had been told they were going home four times, Ooh. and on the way home got rerouted back out. So they were not happy about anything. And now the comedy style. <laughs> yeah, and now like, hey, who's here from Georgia? <laughs> and they were just like, we want to go home. <laughs> wow, wow. So, but no, I mean, it's it's really great, and I'm excited. Hopefully, I'll, I'm going to go back to the Middle East in uh, the beginning of the year. Um, it really, I just, it's a blast. I mean, it's, it is really fun and rewarding. We did a show, uh, and I, I actually talk about this story in I Am Battle Comic, but they just used the tail end of how much I enjoyed doing it. But we were in uh, Djibouti, Africa, and um, uh, we were with, a, they're called the Quick Response, QRT, Quick Response Team. They're mar oh, okay. Marines. Yeah. They're Marines, and they're just on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we didn't know that. We're like, so, but they let us play with in their turrets and their yeah. guns and stuff. It was a blast. It's like, so see at the show tonight. Oh no, we can't. We don't leave it. We go on patrol. It's the only time we leave this. Wow. And so the other comic with me, I think it was Steve Maison, said, uh, "Hey, well, our show doesn't start till eight. Your patrol comes in at seven. Why don't we come down here and do some stuff for you guys?" And so we literally came back at seven. We piled two by fours on top of each other. They were literally in their uh, Humvees flak jackets on for like 30 guys did a show for him maybe my favorite show of all last really? year really oh absolutely it was That's, such a blast well they must have loved it oh they had a great they're yeah absolutely because they've been hearing their neighbor's same story for the last six months. So any story that's yeah, not yeah, yeah. my bunkie story is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, what, if you had a chance to do another podcast, mm -hmm. maybe keep road stories going and do something else, because you've been doing road stories for so long, what's something that's really of intense interest to you that you think would be good podcast fodder? Well, I am going to do a new podcast. What a coincidence. Yes, but I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Is that oh. a weird Well, if you were question. going to talk about it, what would it be about? I will say this. I love stories, so it will be in the story okay. vein or genre, I should say. It will right. be in the story genre. Because I love, I love life experiences. I love, you know, yeah. I, love, I love life stories. I mean, that's, yeah. So it would yeah. be, be in that vein. 
Now, do you do you do your podcast episodes strictly from one location, or do you do them while you're on the road? Uh, I do. When I get a chance, I do a uh, I do it live on the road, and literally live on the road. I I I, I put I bring my mixer, put it in the car, my computer, <laughs> microphones. I make. I usually I usually do it when I'm doing a local, and I have the opener who can drive. I make him drive. <laughs> And then we record live on the way to the gig, and then we do the gig, and then we do, and then we record on the way back. But I rarely do it on like, you know, Saturday night at the Irvine Improv, you yeah. know, where it's sold out. I always do it on this questionable, this could go south really quickly. So, so we record, we have a good time going up, and sometimes we have a good time going up, sometimes we have a good time coming back. <laughs> sometimes we have a good time going up, and sometimes it's like that Vegas, leaving Vegas, yeah, let's go to Vegas, and you're like, I'm never going to Vegas again. <laughs> So yeah, so we kind of keep that. But I'm sure breaking a hundred laws while course, I'm doing it. If course. you can't text, I'm sure you can't podcast while you drive. <laughs> it's not on the books. It's true. Good I've point. looked. It's not on the books. Good point. Not yet. So those are always fun. I haven't done one in a while, so hopefully I'll be. Oh, you know what? Speaking of Steve Maison, I'm doing a like a little one-nighter bar gig in Orange County next week. Okay. I might do it next week. Okay. Now has have you having had comics? in the car doing your podcast have you inspired other comics to do podcasts oh do you think i would like to think so <laughs> i would like to think so but you've not i was inspired to do it by jimmy pardo he was the first podcast i ever listened to okay never not funny and uh started mine so it's great to be a guest on his when i do his yeah you know so but i would like to think so but i don't know if i've had that nobody's contacted nobody's you contacted you you started me off on this road. Yeah, no. Mo mostly they find out I'm a, a, a preacher's kid. And <laughs> it's like, you inspired me to uh, leave the religion also. <laughs> I, I always have mixed feelings because, you know, because the nature of my podcast is, is playing clips of other people's Absolutely. podcasts. I've got a lot of people that started their podcast because they've been inspired listening to this. That's great. Thing. And it, it is, but I do have kind of a, there's a little piece of me that just goes, but now you don't have time to listen to my podcast. Yes, <laughs> most podcasters are so busy trying to put theirs together Absolutely. that they don't listen anymore, which Absolutely. is hilarious. I, I don't, honestly, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts either, but I listen to them when I'm on the road because I tend to, I try to drive as much as possible because I, I don't like flying. Then I haven't been on the road in a couple of months, so my backlog of podcasts have been, Yeah. and I know a lot of the podcasts, so I have to apologize. I'm like, sorry, I haven't, I'm so behind. Well, that's, what's funny is because of the nature of my podcast, I have to listen to them. Oh, absolutely, right, right? of and course. Because I interview or I review for Split Cider sure, and for Huffington Post, I do nothing but listen to podcasts. I haven't read a book in a year. I'm jealous of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, because I can't, I used to be able to work out to podcast, now I can't for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you don't get any rhythm going. Yeah, it's true. Because you know, I listen to podcasts when I, because I do a this kind of power hike thing every morning uh, okay. for like an hour, and the couple of times that the podcast didn't download or something, I hike in this area that doesn't have reception. Oh, right, right. So if it didn't download before I got there, I have nothing to listen to, so I'll, I'll listen to music, and I sure. go, hey, this is much better. <laughs> I know, it's, listening to music working out is much better. Yeah. But that's happened to me on the airplane. Where I'm like, oh, great, I'll catch up on Rock Solid or Kira Sultanovich yeah. or anything, and I'm like, oh, I didn't download it. Yeah. Oh, man, there's four hours of podcasting I missed. Yeah, so yeah. that's uh, aggravating. Um, any advice, because I have a lot of podcasters that, uh -huh. uh, that are audience for this podcast, and a lot of them are just starting out. 
So because you've had so much experience uh, over the course of time, any sort of things come to mind for the young podcaster? And by young, I mean just somebody who hasn't been going sure, very absolutely. little? Well, um, I would say do something you're passionate about because it's a lot more work than you think it is. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, it really is. I even said last or the other night when I did my show here, I, I'd be like, I'm talking to two other successful podcasters, Paul Gilmartin and Jimmy Dore. I'm like, it's a grind. You're like, yeah, <laughs> and it is, and it's, it's a grind. But so make sure it's something you're passionate about, and don't worry about making money out of the gate. I think you and I talked about that the yeah. other day, right? Yeah. Uh, don't worry about don't worry about download numbers. You know, there, there's there's like there's penis envy and there's download envy. You yeah. know, and it's and I never talk numbers. I just I never talk numbers. And it's funny, my buddy Jake Johansson, I you must know Jake. very well. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he's like, yeah, what's your download numbers? Is the new what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I don't I never track mine. I just yeah. I do it because I love doing it. Absolutely. And uh, it was funny, you know, I was I was moderating that sponsor. Uh, panel the other yesterday and there were like a bunch of hands shot up when um, one of my guests uh, the guy for Rob uh, from Libsyn sure uh, asked how many people have not started their podcast and like you know dozen hands sure right. well why are you here I want to find out how to get a sponsor it's like well you haven't even started a show what do you care about whether you have sponsors yet? right you know you don't even know if you can do a show absolutely uh, so it's it's amazing how because of the success of, of podcasting in general, and by success, I mean there's just a lot of them out there. Sure. I think people are going, it's like when YouTube started and people started making some money at it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I want to do. I want to be a YouTube star. Right, absolutely. I want to be, a, I want to be Mark Maron. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no. Uh, so that's why I say be passionate about it. Yeah. And that way you can approach it from the guerrilla radio aspect of it, which it really is. You know, once you start as a guy who's done advertising on my shows, once you get advertisers, you got people to answer to. Yes. And I don't like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's why I don't do a lot of sponsorship. I'm Luckily, I'm with All Things Comedy, which is a network, which is, they said, hey, if you want to do advertising, cool. If not, don't worry, you know. So be careful, because you all of a sudden it becomes a job, which everybody knows when something becomes a job, becomes less fun. That's right. And then you find yourself doing make good commercials for the ones you fucked up. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, then I'm all right. But, you know, the... For advertising, I mean, there's different ways to get sponsorship and stuff like that. You, you well, know? that's just it. You know, I, I, I've begun to hear some of these these sort of way off a network podcast. Mm -hmm. This guy doing his own thing where he's gotten some local industry or local company to pay him whatever. Maybe they're paying him 25 bucks or right. 50 bucks or whatever. And yeah, you go, hey, that's money. And it's about as much money as you're going to make anyway. Right, you're going to have absolutely. a Casper mattress. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so go to somebody that you can have. Or adamandeve.com. And this yeah. was a great piece of information that came from one of the guys um, on the sponsorship panel was go to somebody that you can have a personal relationship with. It's a guy that has a store in your town or runs a factory or whatever. Absolutely. And so they go, yeah, I'll give you 50 bucks a week. I don't, that's fine. Right. Or not even financial. I mean, I've had a, a couple of listeners uh, are brewmasters yeah, at a brewery, okay. so they send me beer for my. Uh, Can't beat that. Absolutely right. I just had a, somebody talk to me about wanting to give me coffee for my, and I try to, you know, we don't pay our, our my guests, and my guests are very busy and normally, you know, usually very successful. So I want to be able to give them something yeah. for coming. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Besides exactly. a t-shirt, another t-shirt. Right. Know? Yeah, yeah. How many so, t-shirts can you wear? It's absolutely. So I mean, they're very 
I'm rock solid. I co-host. It's not officially my podcast, but I co-host rock solid. Uh, Bose just gave us four or five sets of their high-end headphones. Wow. Four, 24 episodes. I think it's 24 uh, episodes to, really? to um, advertise Bose. And did they reach out to you or vice versa? I, th I think Pat Francis is the host. He reached out to them. That's great. And uh, again, also ask. Yes. I know it took me very long in life to realize that if you ask for things, people give them to you. Yes. <laughs> well, Murray, I know you want to get to another show here. Uh, I tell do. folks where they can find... Uh, road Stories. Well, you go to roadstories.tv is the website. You can get it on iTunes, Libsyn, all the uh, Stitcher, all, all, basically all the platforms. Sure. Google Murray Valeriano Road Stories, it'll come up. And uh, yeah, give a listen. If you like it, give me a shout. I return all my emails. If you don't like it, give me a shout. <laughs> I return all my emails. I take any kind of criticism. I learned, uh, I learned some uh, PC words that I'm not supposed to say the hard way for people calling me and saying uh, we don't say that anymore because it's oh. offensive I'm not I'm not against learning <laughs> all right Murray thanks so much oh good, good thank you, you so much all I right. appreciate it all right man take care and that is Murray V turns out we have a lot of friends in common in the comedy world we also had a fun time with that brief chat Murray's gonna be up here in NorCal in the new year doing some comedy at our nearby Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley so he and I plan to have a longer sit down and really get into it when he gets local Find his show, Road Stories, on iTunes, Stitcher. It's all part of the All Things Comedy Soundcast Network. Or grab it from his home site, roadstories.libson.com. It's been a long time since we ventured into the tweet sack. Look at that! Tweety's still alive. And I never even feed that little guy. What you got for us, Tweety? All right. Got a note from Meg Wright, the editor for Splitsider.com, who I write my weekly soundcast reviews for in the This Week in Comedy podcast column. She says it's time to start thinking about the annual wrap-up edition, and I have. I've picked a favorite episode of the year and three, quote, bests, unquote. Now, I'm not going to let any cats out of any bags, but the three bests are Best Mock Thought Leader Soundcast, Best Repurposing Audio from Yesteryear Soundcast, and Most Missed Pop Culture Soundcast. If you think you can guess any of those, well, shh, just keep it to yourself. Got a note from Danny LaBelle's wife, Kylie. Danny hosts Modern Day Philosophers Soundcast, and she wanted to clue me in that he's got Baron Vaughn on the episode that just dropped. Listened? Loved it. And, spoiler alert, I will be reviewing it this coming week on Splitsider.com. Ned Kenny reached out. He's the creator of the Laughable app, which I think is the best way to stream or download your favorite comedy soundcasts. Well, Ned just made it betterer by adding show and episode sorting to the app. So now you can find all the episodes of all the soundcasts featuring Paul F. Tompkins, perhaps. And bam, they're ready to go. Check out the Laughable app. It's right there on uh, on in the uh, the iTunes store. Uh, I think, well, I know they're working on a Google version. I don't know if it's done yet, but that's laughable. Also check at laughable on Twitter. Here's a little reminder for your inbox. We put out the Succotash Daily every day. And it's a little newsletter filled with comedy and soundcast news. It's free. It's fun. You just have to subscribe once at hirsch.co slash daily suck d-a-i-l-y-s-u-c-c hirschco slash daily suck 
That's it. The Succotash Daily, and it's in your inbox every day as soon as you, you subscribe. All right. It's time once again for our Cavalcade of Gratitude, where we rattle off the names, handles, avatars, and IDs of folks kind and decent enough to mention Succotash by way of their social media in the past couple of weeks. Whether they've tweeted, retweeted, followed, liked, starred, thumbs up, or otherwise acknowledged this soundcast's existence, we just like to mention them as a way of saying, hey, Thanks. Christine Blackburn, Phil Ernest, Kylie Ora Lobel, Danny Lobel, Rick Karlsruher, Aristotle Dreyer, Meliotis, Amy Phelps, Chris Gore, Ed Wallach, Illusionoid, Monster Party, Girls Gone Geek, Tyson Saner, our associate producer and co-host of the Antisocial Show with another friend of Succotash, Hunter Block, who broke the curse by clicking on the donate button at SuccotashShow.com. And guess what? It works. The donate button works. So for those of you who have may not been clicking on the button because you thought it might have been broken, never fear. It works great. Click away. Continuing. Ice in the face. Brody's Kitchen. Waffle Sunday, Honey Cunt, Angus Doodle, Constant Struggle Podcast, Sharon Houston, Stephen Weensiri, Barely Friendly, Barely Friending, G the C, Sup Doc, Paco Romain, Will Scoville, Podcast Booster Bot, Broken Filter Live Podcast, The Naked Porch, The Worst Writer in the World, Unadulterated BS, Dirty Bit Podcast, Changes in Latitudes, Gratuitous Phil, Salty Language Podcast, History Teller, The Gist, Film Threat, Radio Play Today, Hype Streets, The Slant, D-Head Factor, Jordan Brady, and Carrie Snow. Thanks again for those of you who took the time out to infest your social media streams with helping out little old Succotash. I know we're running overtime, but you know what? The network can take it up with my producer. Before we get out of here, we're going to dip into a rich vein of political humor, courtesy of our friend Will Durst and our second, Bursto Durst. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about the revelations of the first grand jury indictments in the Mueller investigation. Conspiracy against the United States. That's just one of the charges filed against the president's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort. He's also accused of money laundering, avoiding taxes, and being a smug SOB who makes Bernie Madoff look like a bleeding arts social worker. After pleading not guilty to all charges, Manafort is under house arrest with a $10 million bond, but special prosecutor Robert Mueller argued he should be remanded into custody as a flight risk because of extreme wealth, the severity of charges, his travel history, and the fact that the guy lies like a rug in his sleep. Nothing to keep him from running back to the Ukraine, where he still has good buddies and safety deposit boxes full of rubles and rivinas. Because apparently what happens in Kiev stays in Kiev. Hell, his haircut represents an extreme threat to public safety. Another Trump foreign policy advisor, although lowered on the food chain, George Papadopoulos, pled guilty to lying to the FBI, then was described in documents as a proactive cooperator, which has everybody in the Trump administration worried that he might have spent the last couple of months playing that popular FBI game, Dial a Co-Conspirator, while wearing a wire. 
The FBI's normal modus operandi concentrates on peripheral players, then offers plea deals trying to flip them, working inward like termites of justice until they have an elevated position to take out the king. And you get the feeling the guy surrounding the president would drop a dime on him faster than a sailor at Carnival Midway the night before shipping out. Imagine right now that President Donald Trump is quaking like a Richter scale simulator in the back of a moving van speeding over railroad tracks. Mostly because, as the carpenters legendarily told us, we have only just begun. <laughs> for Succotash. I apologize for singing me, Will Durst. Get on over to willdurst.com to get a line on this one-man show that's been extended, playing every Tuesday night at the Marsh Theater in San Francisco. Also where he's headlining with his comedy stylings, plus the big fat year-end kiss-off show he does every year. That'll be falling into place about now, so you can get times and places where that will be up on his home site again, willdurst.com. Also, follow Will on Twitter, at Will Durst. That is going to do it for Epi 160 of Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. The next installment is going to feature a bunch of clips from horror and sci-fi comedy movie soundcasts. Tyson and I had harvested like 10 clips, which I was going to use for a special show with the Monster Party soundcast guys, but you know what? That show never happened. So, before those clips pass their expiration dates, I figured we better make use of them ourselves. Until next time, thanks for passing the Succotash. Now, Bill Haywatt, get us the hell out of here. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and on Ha Ha Ha, the laughable app. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Turges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash. Goodbye.